When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and basketball analysis with over 70 years combined experience. This is the Bob Ryan and Jeff Goodman podcast. NBA, some college, a little bit of everything. You know, what can I say? But it wasn't going to happen here with him. I was okay with it because it wasn't about talent, I didn't think. All right, let's get right to it. Welcome into another episode of the Ryan and Goodman podcast. I'm Jeff Goodman. He is Bob Ryan. And we are joined by a fellow... Uh, not only Massachusetts native Bob Ryan, but a fellow Framingham native, well, David Blatt. How about that? Framingham South, to be specific. I know. I was north. I was north. So we, we, we had that rivalry, but we're going to put it aside for this podcast. We're going to put it aside. Hi, right, Dave. So, so, Dave, for the locals, uh, how close to how you? Close you, see, you see how open-minded I am, Bob, that I'm even willing to talk to this north guy? I mean, I'm very impressed. <laughs> I'm extremely impressed with that. Now, for the locals, I need to pinpoint exactly uh, how close to Shopper's World and Ken's Steakhouse did you grow up? Just down the street, man. Seven-minute seven <laughs> drive down Route 9. Miss it, too. Good days. No, very good. Very how, good. How far? So you grew up on, on – I was on Little Tree Lane. Um, you were, I think, like three streets over. What street did you grow up on? I grew up on Woodmere Road. Literally, Rob, Bob. It, yeah, it's right like three streets. <laughs> right. Wow. The corner. Well, we could have played. Uh, we could have played ball at the park down the street. Uh, but you, you, you have a few years on me. Um, well, you guys will appreciate this. Every morning before school, uh, and and I went to uh, to Brophy Elementary School, where my mom, God rest her soul, also taught. And my best friend Gary Burnson would walk down the street, climb through my window. And wake me up, and we would go up the hill by, by foot and play basketball an hour before school every single day. And that was life back in Boston. It didn't make a difference, rain or shine, snow yeah. or not. You know, we were, we were out there doing it. That's great. I, uh, I had a Bay State League. I was hit big on the Bay State League in the early uh, 70s because I was covering high school sports uh, a lot. People associate me with the NBA and all that. But the fact is I had, I served my apprenticeship, but I discovered Bay state league football for the whole year in 1971. And that was when John Lee came to Walpole and mm. took over the league. Right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But well, you well, played well, well, the name. You. I remember your guy, you played for Smokey Marisi, right? Played for coach Marisi. He was probably the most significant figure in my basketball life, both in terms of coaching and, and, uh, he was kind of a he was he was a father figure to me, a mentor, and I was awfully lucky to be uh, in his glow, so to speak. Terrific coach, terrific guy. And then so, let, let, let's going. let's start with the current, then we can move back. All right, let's all start right. with the current. Uh, I, I know you're down in the warm weather. You're smarter than both Bob and I, who are <laughs> up here in you know 34 degrees, shoveling snow. Uh, where are you? 
What are you doing right now to keep yourself uh, busy? Well, I am currently in uh, Daniel Island, South Carolina, actually living by a couple of my closest friends from Framingham who have made their way down south and ultimately to this area. Uh, and, uh, you know, in, in, in these tough times for everyone, I'm, I'm trying to uh, stay busy doing an awful lot of uh, online clinics and seminars. Uh, I'm in the process of uh writing my, my life story and, and uh, I'm associated with an awful lot of different uh, uh, organizations having to do with uh, the good work of diplomacy in different parts of the world. You know, you all know, probably know I've spent a good part of my life in, in, in overseas and, uh, you know, just staying up with that and, and doing my very best to stay healthy. Just for people, uh, a quick edification, I'm just going to give you the chronology of the um, the international perambulations of our our guest here, but can you, uh, can you pronounce some of these? Uh, the, the I'm, gonna give, well, I'm not going to go with all the teams necessarily, but we, we're going to get to that. But 12 years of playing in Israel, and then Israel coaching, and then in this order: Russia a year, Italy two, Russia six, Turkey one, Russia one. Uh, Greece, I'm not sure you can tell us about the Aris uh, experience. Israel, four more. And then, of course, we're back to the USA. Oh, that league, what is it, the NBA? Is that what it is? Yeah, he coached there. Back to Turkey and Greece. And in the middle of it all, he coached the Russian Olympic team in London in 2012. And uh, tell us, you got to tell us, are you still involved with the Czech team? Are you, uh, are you still with the Czech team, uh, Mr. Vlad? Well, I, I, I don't really have a, uh, a day-to-day involvement with the Czech team. The company that I have uh, together with my family in, in, in Israel called True Player, which is a country for development of uh, youth basketball, uh, also has branched out. And we indeed are invested in the program for the Bear No Basket uh, organization in, in Czech. And... Uh, yeah, in an outside sort of fashion, I am involved. Okay. But, you know, so, that long list of places that you talked about, Bob, was pretty accurate, not entirely. But <laughs> I will say this, you know, the point, Wikipedia. <laughs> I trust Wikipedia. But I, I can I can tell you this, you know, obviously, uh, I have I have spent my life in the game of basketball. But, you know, Sport for me has always been a microcosm of life, and and the the idea and the the ability that I that I've been uh, fortunate to uh, uh, develop and uh, live by has given me the opportunity to live in different countries, learn different languages, grow together in in, in different cultures, hopefully help a few people along the way, and and. And have one heck of a time, which is, you know, hasn't been a bad lot for a, for a simple kid from Framingham. Okay, when you got out of Princeton and went to Israel, um, did you have a plan? Or was, I mean, did you ever envision anything? Like, obviously, you couldn't have envisioned the way of all of it. But what was your mindset in 1981 when you first went to Israel? Well, you, you all know well, man plans and God laughs. You know, right? <laughs> okay. I had, I, had an, I had an idea that, uh, when I finished and graduated from college, I did want to go overseas and play for a few years. Uh, 
my mom didn't see it that way. She kind of felt I should use my uh, education uh, for something more, as she saw it, a little bit more serious and a little bit more, uh, <laughs> with a little bit more future in mind. And, and you know, I, I had it uh, and always no, wasn't. Your, your, your Jewish mom wanted you to be a lawyer or a doctor. <laughs> right, exactly right, <laughs> to put it simply. And she wasn't thrilled by that, but, uh, you know, I went overseas and, you know, one or two years that I planned led to 12 years and then an injury led me uh, into coaching and uh, it didn't work out half bad. <laughs> no, I'll say, I'll say. What What was the, the highlight overseas, Dave? I mean, there, there had to be so many, so many places, you know, whenever I, I travel overseas, I try to as much as possible because... I just love it. I love the cultures. I love the people. Uh, I got bar mitzvah in Israel when I was 13. I want to get back. Uh, haven't been able to yet and would love to get my daughter over there. Uh, been to Italy, been to all these places. It, it, it's just amazing for people who haven't experienced it. Um, what was the highlight? What was the place that you're just like, you know what? That's if I could retire there or you probably could. Um, that's the place. Well, you know, for me, the the experience as a whole has been has been a highlight. You know, obviously, my, my four children were born in Israel. You know, I had take I've taken them to to Greece and to Italy and and to Russia and to Turkey, so they've experienced that. But just just you know the the, the fact that uh, they were they were born and they are Israeli citizens uh, probably makes that the place where I not only spent most of my time and career, but also I have the deepest roots. Uh, but it, you know, it, it was all great. It, it really was, you know, looking back every, every day was an experience and, you know, it's not everybody that speaks four languages badly. You know, that's one of, <laughs> one of my great attributes. You know, you get, you get a chance to go to different places and, and when you do, you should always try to immerse yourself in the culture to, to fit in and not fit out to, 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 gain the knowledge and the experience of place on a fundamental level, I think that enriches you and also puts you in a better light in the eyes of the people that you're together with. Okay, Dave, I'm going to bring you the best wishes and greetings for a happy new year from someone you know, Tal Brody. Oh. I, now, my background quickly is that he's a fellow Trentonian, and I watched him win the 1961 Group 4 championship in New Jersey with the undefeated Trenton High Tornadoes before he went on to his career at Illinois and eventually will get a long career in Israel where he has lived ever since and still there. Now, I, with, I said to him, uh, I got a hold of him and I said, okay, Dave Blatt's going to be our podcast guest. Give me a little something uh, to what should I know? What 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 would you like to bring up about Dave Blatt? So here's two things he gave me, Dave. Number one, the 2014 European Championships when uh, the Maccabee at Tel Aviv with 10,000 Israeli fans cheering them on in Milano. Wow! How about that, ladies and gentlemen? That's fandom. Pretty cool. Tell me about well, it. First of all. Warm hello back to Tal. He's a legendary, a legendary figure in in Israel. And and Bob, you mentioning your Trentonian uh, background just two days ago. I talked uh, 
online with one of my very close friends and uh, uh, former teammates at Princeton, Randy Melville, who's from Trenton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were we were talking about all the tough guys really come from Boston, but pretty tough guys come from Trenton, too. Damn right. There you go. There you go. Obviously, I'm talking to one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 2014 was uh, was a, a great memory. You know, we came there and played against uh, in the final four against Real Madrid and Cheska Moscow, Moscow and Barcelona. We were not the favored team, anything but. And we ended up winning two very close games, one uh, in the last second and the, and the second, the championship game in overtime. We did indeed have not 10,000, but 11,000 fans who made their way from Israel and colored the stadium in yellow right. uh, and gave us kind of a home court advantage. And, you know, that's 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 in the history books for Israeli sport. And, and you have to understand, you know, the, the Israeli mentality and the Israeli sports fan, it, it, it's it's a patriotic uh, mission. You know, when a, when a sports team uh, reaches the heights or the kind of heights that, that we did, not only that year, but over the course of several years, some championships Tal himself was part of. Yep. And, you, you know, you move, a, you move a nation and you energize and you, and you bring together a, a whole country, regardless of the political differences. And they are great in Israel, as they are, unfortunately, in our here country. Uh but uh, you know, it's a very special thing, and that's that's a memory that I'll I'll hold dear forever. What was the second one, Bob? Second one, playing. And I'll ask for a pronunciation. I'm going to have to for Galila Elion near the Lebanese, near the Lebanese border with rockets flying over your head from time to time. Wow, very very true. You know, people hear something like that, and they and they don't quite grasp uh what that is you know i lived in a, some a place called a moshab uh which is similar it has some similarities to uh a, the kibbutz life in in israel but i was literally only five kilometers about three and a half miles from the lebanese border uh and uh these were some troubled times when indeed there were Katusha rockets being fired from certain parts of Lebanon, Lebanon by terrorist organizations into Israel. And a few of them fell right by our gym and right in my backyard. Wow. You know, I, I used to have players from my team coming to my house at two or three in the morning. I would always leave the door open and say, guys, if you're scared, just come to my house. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd have two or three guys in my uh, living room sleeping, waiting for breakfast, hoping that I would ease their minds and, and, and Maybe their they just wanted breakfast today. Take care of them. Yeah, well, that too, you know, that too. But it was, it was that kind of thing, you know. But the team there, again, the team galvanized the people. You know, it was a place that, that uh, the community would come to and support the the team and it was something that really uh raised the spirits of kids and the adults alike and you know you guys are taking away my my chapter three of the book but indeed that was uh <laughs> well, a, you know, that was quite an experience 
to tease. It's a good tease. I'm sure chapter three has got a lot more details than you can provide right now. Um, give, give me the, you talked about that of fearing for your safety. Was there one, uh, one story, one experience where you really, really, it was at a point where, because again, I mean, you hear about it over there in Israel. I would love to bring my daughter there, but, but I am, I am worried. I have been worried. My wife's been worried more than I have. I probably would have done it. But um, is there one experience, whether it's in Israel, whether it's in Russia, uh, wherever, that you feared, you, you legitimately feared for your life? Well, first of all, you know, you hear a story like I just told, and, and it's a true story. On the other hand, I never felt safer anywhere than I did in, in Israel. You know, if you were to compare the... The, the crime rate of, uh, of, a, of an inner city of almost any place in the world to that of Tel Aviv, which is a truly international 24-hour, 24-7 city, you would find that you would, you would be more comfortable walking around by yourself in the middle of the night in Tel Aviv than almost any major city, certainly in the continental United States or many of the other places that I've been, whether it be Moscow, whether it be Istanbul, whether it be uh, uh, Athens, you know, <laughs> It, it's 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 almost a, a, a dichotomy of, of, of uh, uh, well, it's it, it's an unusual type of feeling, you know. I, I at the same time that there are threats and there are concerns, I, I can tell you wholeheartedly: take your kids there, take your wife; they'll fall in love with the place immediately. I think the entire perception of Israel would change if we could somehow get every person in the world to come to Israel for one day and, and see what it really is all about. Of course, that's not realistic and, and uh, unlikely that that would happen, but uh, I would certainly recommend it. NFL football continues on this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. You might not be at a game this year, but you could still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how schedules change or players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere else on Bet Online. Head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Guess what? You're preaching to the choir here. I, I have been there. Uh, my wife went, and after enjoying it so much, she said, You've got to come. And so we went back two years ago, and we were, I was fortunate to see Tal Brody. Nice to go around town a little bit with Tal Brody. But we, um, my highlight, guys, was swimming in the Sea of Galilee at the Ein Gev Kibbutz where we stayed. There you go. Beautiful. Well, Bob, next time you go, please please let me know. Believe it or not, and Jeff, you, you probably won't believe this, I am even better known in Israel than Bob Ryan is in the United States, and that's a pretty big thing. So... I'm a good guy for you to travel around with there. Just All right. You know. Done. Done. I don't know what your, your daily rate is, but I don't know if we can afford it. I got your so boss? many things. I got so many things oh, going on in my mind, but I, 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 this one is one. Who's the best or most interesting Europe international put player that you can tell us about that the Americans don't know about? I mean, historically over your right. time. You mean right now? No, I mean any uh, over the time, over your school, over in your whole time. That, well, you know, I, I, I would, I would, I would tell you un- unquestionably uh, Diego Maradona and and um, Lionel Messi 
and uh, uh, football, soccer, football. as we say, soccer players over there, it's football players, because, you know, soccer is the sport uh, on that side of the of, of the Atlantic. Uh, I forgot Ronaldo, of course. But basketball, but, uh, come on, basketball. I want a basketball player. Well, to... you know, I, I, I got a lot of lists of different great, great European basketball players. To me, uh, the, the greatest European player, and we only saw him at the tail end of his career after two Achilles surgeries was uh, Sabonis. His son now is in the league, and he is absolutely terrific. Bob and Jeff, if you'll bear with me, I'll tell you a great story. Um, the great Bob Knight was overseas with uh, with his college team, or it was with a collection of college players, and they played some international games, and they, and they lost to the then Russian national team who had a 19-year-old center, uh, and night after the games said, you know, I, I've coached a lot of great players and, and, and certainly been in some great basketball environments. He said, I just saw the greatest basketball player in the world. And he's only 19 and he's not American. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about, he was talking about Sabonis who before his injuries was every bit as athletic as his son. Who was, who was a great young player, but an even better player. I mean, he if he comes to the United States before the, the injuries and before he got even bigger and heavier than when he, when he, when he you know, when, you, when, he, when he started his career, uh, he would have become one of the 10 greatest players in the United States in history, in my opinion. I've heard him described in those days as Bill Walton with a three-pointer. You know, and that's really a fair, a fair uh, way to put and it. Imagine that, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it was, but it, what we saw at the end was still interesting, but it was, an, it was uh, two Achilles and a couple of uh, boxcar vats of vodka later. <laughs> you know, he famously couldn't make it to the medal ceremony in Barcelona. I was there. Um, Dave, in 2000 in Sydney, he put on a pivot clinic in a game I saw uh, against Australia that who were pretty good that I would hold up as the textbook of how to play the position of anyone I've ever seen at any point that night. I, mean, I, I yeah. know. I mean, I, I had a feel. Fortunately, I had enough of an international experience from the Olympics and the Worlds to have seen him. Uh, more than the Americans did often got to see him. Very special, winning player and, and terrific guy, by the way. And for me, again, you know, and, and there's so many great, great European basketball players. You know, we saw only a little of the great Drazan Petrovic, who had he come perhaps a little bit earlier and had he not uh, unfortunately uh, lost his life due to the, the car accident, you know, we, we would have seen one of the truly great NBA players as, as well. You know, and the, 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 the list is, is almost endless. You know, Oscar Schmidt. Oh, thank you. Few people really are even aware of. I mean, this guy played until he was 45 or 46 years old. I mean, he might have been the greatest scorer in the world, certainly in his time. And a, and a guy that in today's NBA, as a shooting power forward or shooting, the game is positionless, but as a shooting forward, 
I mean, he was he he was at a whole nother he was in another universe in terms of his ability to score the basketball. One of my proudest possessions is sitting over my shoulder, a picture on the wall of me and Oscar from uh, Oscar from Barcelona. Uh, I, I, I got him Larry Bird's autograph. That put me in good stead with Oscar yeah, forever. Yeah. Uh, that, well, was he, that, guy, that guy was pretty special, too. Um, by the way, played in Boston, I think, for a few years, too. I was going to ask you. This is so great. I mean, great minds, you know. I was going to ask you if you'd run into Oscar Schmidt, you know, and uh, dropping 40 or 45 on you somewhere along the way, you know. I got... I was, <laughs> Bob, I managed, I managed to avoid that. You know, sometimes <laughs> intelligence is the better part of valor, <laughs> as you know. So, all right, all right let, let, let's let's go to um, you get hired by the Cavs. I remember first time you and I met, even though we, again, grew up in the same town, was in Vegas. I'm out there uh, doing summer league, and, and you walk in, and um, I end up doing an interview on camera with <laughs> which was, I thought was really cool at that time. You know, two Framingham guys. It was just weird. It was just, we're in Vegas. You get the head job with the Cavs. Nobody really, you know, outside of Framingham <laughs> knew much about you at that point. Um, you get to coach LeBron. What I had seen LeBron since he was 15 years old. I don't know how much you had seen of him. Obviously, you saw it from afar. But once you got a chance to be around him, watch his, his work ethic, watch everything that he does, was there something that surprised even you after being up close and personal? Because you had already heard so much about him from afar before you coached him. You know, there's a couple of things, and, and I'll tell you a quick story. When I was uh, – I used to come over in the summer times and go to different summer leagues to find potential players for my European teams. And I went to the Orlando Summer League, which was a smaller summer league than what Vegas became even smaller than the Shaw Tournament in Boston, where I found a lot of good players, <laughs> too. And uh, LeBron was, was of course, the first pick in, in, in the draft and, and came with just an incredible, incredible uh, um, amount of excitement. And, and uh, they couldn't play the game in the Orlando small gym where they used to play the summer league they had to move it mm-hmm. to the arena to the main arena mm-hmm. this is a summer league game the first summer league game i mean nobody goes except for except for scouts and crazy coaches you know maybe now in vegas it's different people starting to go. but in those days nobody was going to those games there were seventeen thousand people wow. at the game a summer league game for lebron's first appearance in the nba so i was pretty aware of the head that <laughs> was going on behind LeBron James and what he, you know, what he, what he, did, what he became. But when I first signed with Cleveland, he was not a part of the team. Right. You know, LeBron was, was, was in Miami and was going through his decision-making process on what he was going to do. Uh, he wasn't even a part of the program that I, I originally signed onto or, or into if you will, when I was hired, uh, our main, our main guy at that point was, uh, was Kyrie, you know, who was a kid himself and Tristan who was drafted, uh, fourth after Kyrie had been drafted first in the draft. And we were trying to build the, the team, you know, in such a way we were recruiting Gordon Haywood at the time. I, I'll never forget. You know, it's <laughs> funny how, 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 how things just kind of work around their way around anyway. So, 
you know, that was a pretty unexpected thing. Uh, and Jeff, after we met, it wasn't long thereafter, we, we were in, in, in the uh, summer league, maybe have the second or third game, and, and they announced that LeBron had decided to come back to Cleveland. Uh, and that, of course, was, you know, <laughs> that, that was incredible uh, that the best player in the, in the league and who became uh, the very best player in, in the game and, 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 in my opinion, the best player of the 21st century. Um, and we can revisit that whole <laughs> argument, too. But, uh, you know, the, the thing that stuck out to me about LeBron, to, to answer your question directly, Probably more than anything else, and you know, and when I think about it in retrospect, you know, I think it's very true. You know, LeBron, for all of his incredible talents, I think he has the highest basketball IQ that I've ever seen. You know, and, and when we talked about Sabonis before, it's it's the same kind of thing. And, I, and I'll give you an example of what I mean. There are a few play players, and I've coached many in my career, that you can teach plays to, and it will take you a number of repetitions or even a, a number of days until guys really catch what they're supposed to do in whatever system or, or sequencing that you're, that you're using. There are, the, there are very few guys, LeBron probably being the best of them, that can see what it is that you want to do and not only after one time running through it, know what he is responsible for, but he knows every position and every option of every player on the floor. Mm. And, 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 I, and I think that's really, really unique, you know. So if, if, you, <laughs> if he's sitting down for a while and hasn't played and you put in some different stuff, all he has to do is sit there and look at it one time and he's got it. Or if you want a particular defensive sequence or tactic, you know, it, it, it takes him literally seconds to, to understand not only his place in the picture, but the entire picture. You know, and that, you know, that speaks volumes to how intelligent of a basketball player he is. You know, I firmly believe that the two best forwards of all time are, are LeBron and Bird and, and, and that they would be a, 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 a un just an unfathomably great pair because of what you just said. Larry, when Larry was a rookie, Bill Fitz nicknamed him Kodak because he said when the ball changes hands, Larry's coming up the court and he knows where all the other nine guys are. Yeah. And, yeah. and then throw Walton in the middle and make him the center for those two. I mean, that would be orgasmic for a, a Sure. Fan. The only difference between a guy like Walton, you know, and, and, and LeBron is that, not only does he know what each player can do on the floor, he can play every one of those positions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whereas Walton, you know, he knows. But he I mean, knows. I just said, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. no, LeBron. He, he just LeBron could, he couldn't go out there and do it. LeBron could play any position. Yeah. So he knew <laughs> whatever it was he was supposed to do and whatever it else would have, the next guy was could do, and he would probably do it better than them if that's the job you gave him. So Celtics fans uh, don't know a ton about Tristan Thompson. You coached him. I've known him since he was at Texas, even before that when he was in AAU ball a little bit. I, I love this kid. I, I love him. I always say kid. He's not yeah, a yeah. kid anymore. But This guy. Uh, but I love him because everything I've heard about him is 
he is such a uh, about the right things. And, and he's a great, everybody always said, unbelievable locker room guy. Um, what can you tell Celtics fans about Tristan Thompson and, and that part of it? Because we know he plays hard on the court. We know he's going to get after. He's not the most skilled offensive player. But what, what is it about Tristan Thompson that if you are coaching, you want him on your team? Well, first of all, all correct, Jeff. Just a terrific kid. No longer a kid. I had him when he was a kid. Uh, but, you know, just, just the kind of guy that you knew you could depend on that was a friend and a a uh, a, a good influence on everybody around him, understood uh what he needed to do and embraced it without any hesitation. Uh, you know, he, he's sort of the ultimate piece, you know what I mean? Not a guy that you have give a big part of the game to he'll carve out his piece and he will do whatever it is that the coach or the team needs him to do, you know, and, and these guys are just so invaluable. And I, I mean, personally, I thought that was a terrific pickup on the part of the, the Celtics because I, I, I felt that Tristan had sort of come to the end of the road with, with Cleveland. He needed a change, and the Celtics needed a player with his particular skill set. I'll tell you guys this. This is, this is a secret, and, and I've, always, uh, I've always contended that Tristan Thomas is the greatest fourth-quarter rebounder, particularly on the offensive end, that I ever coached. Wow. He just had a knack in the fourth quarter for getting big rebounds, particularly on offense when you need the extra possession, when you when you need when you need somebody that, that will do something uh, to get the team over the hump. And you know that's a, that's a great uh, that's a great quality, great skill. Not a lot of people. I I I, I need to go to my analytic guys and ask them if that's true because that's what I saw. What you you remember. Know, during those days, he was right. the best fourth quarter rebounder that I'd ever I had ever uh, come into contact with. And he always did it with a with a with a smile and a sense of purpose. And 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 he valued that fact that, you know, my contribution needs to be this piece. And, you know, and he was ready and, 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 and able uh, for the task. I thought that was just a great move on the part of the Celtics, you know. You know, you don't find a lot of guys that are re, are a rebound every three minutes that are those kind of offensive rebounders uh, when you need it can guard their man can even guard a few different positions and uh, they're possession getters. So good for Danny. Great, great, great move on the part of Ainge and the Celtics. There's so many places we could go with you, but one I got to have is uh, just a reflection on Pete Carroll. Mm -hmm. Coach, you know, Listen, I had the opportunity to play uh, for a Hall of Fame visionary coach who's, you know, Bob, you know, I do a lot of clinics for coaches and I, and I always speak to the fact there are two different kinds of coaches. There are system coaches and there are personnel coaches. Coach Carrillo is from the first school. He's a system coach. He's going to run the Princeton offense no matter where he is. Now, the fact that he stayed in Princeton all his life, with the exception of his years later in, in the NBA, where he's, he still helped the coaching staff to uh, implement Princeton offensive principles uh, into their way of playing. But 
he truly developed a way of playing that allowed and fostered true continuity and true teammanship in every respect and in every in every sense and and you know to be able to learn that to play that to learn from it and to take bits and pieces of that with me into my own coaching career certainly uh, helped me a great deal now it was difficult to to use the the Princeton offense uh, uh, in the many different pro teams that I, that I coach, because it takes time. You know, it's not mm-hmm. even in one season, you, you can't really get to any great depth of the, of what the Princeton offense is. And that's why you don't see it run so, so much in, uh, you know, in, at the NBA level. But uh, Sacramento did pretty good with it. New Jersey did pretty good with guys that were influenced or where Coach Carrill uh, worked. And, you know, if you take principles of it and, and, you, and you get your players to buy into that, it's very special stuff. And certainly Coach Carrill, you know, is one of the great basketball minds of uh, modern times uh, in the United States. All right, I got one more for you, current NBA or, or, or whatever question before we, we – I want to find out what you're doing now. Um, but I can't – it being a Boston-focused uh, uh, podcast, let this go without asking you what it was like to coach Kyrie Irving. Well, again, I, now I had Kyrie when he was uh, younger and more, more in the beginning of his career. I, I loved coaching Kyrie. I had a very good uh, relationship with him. I, th- I thought he was uh, eager and anxious to, to learn and to grow and to develop his uh, exceptional skill set. I mean, Kyrie honestly is, is uh, you know, one of the most talented players I've, e- I've ever seen, let alone work with. Uh, and uh, I, it, 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 it's just, it was fascinating just to watch him practice every day. You know, you, You'd sit back and you'd just wait for him to do something that no one else had, had ever done or could could ever do. You know, I mean, from a pure talent standpoint, you know, okay, okay, again, you know, LeBron is truly the greatest player of the 21st century, but just from a pure talent standpoint, Kyrie even more talented. And probably LeBron would tell you that. Yeah. You know, just he, he, he could the do skills. things on it. Right. The skill level was what blew you away. Level. Right? He would do things on a daily basis that would make you literally just say, wow, did, did he just do that? You know, yeah. and, 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 and if you asked him to do it again, he'd say, do what? You know, he wouldn't, he, <laughs> he wouldn't even remember it because he just was so skilled and so natural. But, you know, I, I, I thought he was terrific. Now, he's gone through it different things and 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 obviously uh you know the, the big thing to me about Kyrie is that you know he, he's got to stay healthy and he, he's never managed to 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 be healthy for for an extended period of time you know if he can if he can do that and and we can all enjoy uh him on a consistent basis and he himself can can feel his tremendous level of 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 uh, skill and contribution, you know, then, you know, sky is still the limit with that guy. I mean, that's, it's going to be so interesting to see. 
you know, he's together with a terrific, terrific guy, Kevin Durant, who just, you know, he's a wonderful person in addition to being one of the very best basketball players in the world. And I'm anxious to see how they, how they gel and mesh looks pretty good so far, but, uh, you know, Kyrie has gone through it and, and, and I believe he will come out on top and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Very good. All right. So last thing before we let you go, um, first of all, how's your health? I, I know you were a consultant for the Knicks. Um, I, I don't know if that's what, what caused you to step away uh, from a day-to-day basis with an NBA team or with another team, but I know you have MS and, uh, how are you? You, you? you look good. You sound good. Um, you, I, I think you, it looks like you, you look about 10 years younger right now, not coaching. Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I can't coach on court anymore due to the uh, MS that you that you mentioned. And, uh, you know, it, it comes a time in, in your life or, or there, there, there are potentially times in life where, you know, you got to face the music and say, hey, you know, I might have to play a different tune or I may have to go a different way. And that's, you know, that's sort of where I'm at with uh, with my physical condition um, that doesn't allow me to stand on the court for an extended period of time and, and function in the way that I would need to as an active coach. You know, that's no easy thing when you, you know, you've been, you've been in the business for 30 years and then suddenly you recognize, I, I just can't physically do that anymore. But like you mentioned, I'm, I am in the, in, in the process of looking for some different opportunities. I had a chance to work with the Knicks for, for four months on a consulting basis. They then changed their organization and, you know, and, and, and COVID hit and things, you know, sort of changed for all of us. But I'm still interested in, in, in finding opportunities in the, in the basketball world, either in the NBA or in Europe, where I can use my mind as well as my body and, and, and hopefully uh, contribute to the game that I love. Uh, I heard, I heard fun and games might be for sale back in Framingham, Dave. So if, if you, if you need a new venture, uh, maybe you could buy that out, you know, get some new games in. I know you had to have gone there back when you were a kid. Well, yeah, well, you know, I'm thinking more of friendly's ice cream. I really, uh, I enjoyed <laughs> I going there. there. Hey, I worked at multiple ones in Framingham. How's that? I, I worked at Cape Cod ice cream restaurant in Framingham sure. Center. So, you know, I, 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 I've got a multiple skill set. You know, I just got to figure out what it is that I want to do. Very heavy Middlesex County talk going on here, folks. I there you go. Right. That's right. There hey, when's go. the book coming out? Do we have a date or are you still working on it? Do you have There's a not a date. It's, it's a work in progress. Okay. And uh, it will come out. Question just is when, you know. Does it have a name? Do you have you named the book? Um, That's often the last thing to come around. You know, I, I, I got some different ideas, but uh, – I don't want to. I don't want to tell people just yet, Bob. I'm oh, don't, oh no! I understand that one. I'm just. I just threw it out there. I know the feeling. You guys should do a little bartering here. When Bob goes back to Israel, he uses you, Dave, for your 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 juice that you have in that country, and you should be using Bob for the juice that he has within the book industry because he's written how many now, Bob? What 15, do you got? Fifteen. Fifteen. I mean, come on, Dave. You got to well, call him here. You know, and there's a great example. You know, I was thinking something along the lines of Charlie on the MTA, but I, I think that's been used in a song in Boston. You know? yeah, I think so. <laughs> New generation doesn't know it, though, Dave. Please. There you go. 
<laughs> Listen, go go back, go back to your good weather. While I'm going to go you know, off you know, guys, here. I think I think I'm, I'm seeing myself on TV doing something too. I just can't figure out when and where, but uh, All right. I, I might be uh, knocking on your guys' door to help me find there you something. Go. There, you, there you go. You can all, yeah, you can always help out with the podcast. The there you're an open invitation whenever you want. If you're bored down there on the beach in South Carolina and you need something to do. You 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 let us know, and you're more than welcome to. Because we we only covered about uh, oh. I don't know maybe a chapter overall. Are you not kidding? Much. We no, not even close. The man's resume is phenomenal. It's really something. I I'm really looking forward to reading that book. I'll tell you that. Thank you guys. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you so much, and I, and I wish you all a happy new year and 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 stay well. Be careful and stay well. Thanks, Dave. We appreciate you uh, catching up. Uh, continue, you know, good health. And uh, if I get back down that way, uh, I will call you. Welcome anytime. Okay. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank we'll you. talk soon. Take care.